like um, you know things have been going through it so hard is we just can't we just can't fathom how God's going to get us out of that situation and get us where we need to be. But God wants you to know today that He is the way maker. And the other thing He said to me is, "Tell them I am the only way." <laughs> I knew He was going to finish with that. So sometimes in life we tend to make our own path. We tend to say, "Well, you know what? Maybe if I try this, or do this, or believe in this." Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find God. But he wants you to know today that the only way is through his son, Jesus. He's the only way. I want you guys to go with me if you can. The well-behaved ones who brought their Bible to church. Go with me. We're going to Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 19. I'm reading from the King James Version. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh the way in the sea, and the path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinct, they are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness. And rivers in the desert. So just for a moment here, just picture yourself in the wilderness, right? You know when you're in the wilderness, um, there's lots of trees, it's gloom and doom, you can hear the owls hooting, you can hear the animals, the vicious animals, sometimes you even have them hot on your trail. And God is promising us that even in this time, when you don't know where your path is, that He will make a way for you. He will make that way. Um, and then it goes on to say, and I love this, and rivers in the desert. So if today you're in a dry place, know that even in that dry place, God can create a river flowing through that desert that's going to quench your thirst. Okay? So um, we're going to go into worship now, and I want you guys to just remember that He is your way maker. And with that, we're just going to stand up and do some warming up for the worship. If you can all just um, scoot in, get a bit closer. Okay? So, if you have any negative thoughts this week, I want you to shake it off and forget about it, because you know he's a way maker. Okay? If somebody said something to you and said, well guys, um, um, I don't know how you're going to make it through, I don't know how God's going to get you through, even if it was you thinking that, I want you to just dust it off now. Dust it off. Okay, and now tell the person to the right of you, he is a way maker. Tell the person to the left of you, he is a miracle worker. And tell the king of kings, he is a promise keeper. Amen. You guys ready to worship? Amen. Jesus, we just thank you and honor you for who you are, what you have done by your own mighty power and love by your own outstretched hand you brought salvation you the king of the universe came down took the form of a man suffered and bled for our sins you took our place our punishment upon yourself the punishment the sin that should have been ours to bear the consequence of you took it you eradicated it you destroyed it through your love through your power, through your own righteousness. And we honor you and we thank you for the privilege of being called sons of the Most High God, children of the Most High God. Thank you so much, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way here today. In each and every one of our lives, speak to us individually, have full control of everything that goes on in this place to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, um, yeah, we are going to have communion just now. And last week we were talking about the righteousness of God and how that plays out in our lives. The power and the, the very life that God is flowing through our own spiritual veins, so to speak. And we're going to continue on that just now. But communion is really a celebration of what Jesus did. He said, as often as you drink this cup, as often as you, you break this bread, do it in remembrance of me. So as we, take, uh, as we eat the bread, you notice it's broken up in pieces, right? Like Jesus' body was shredded and broken on that whipping post. It was shredded and broken 
uh, for the healing of our bodies, right? It's not just everything all spiritual. It, it's first he went to the whipping post. And in Isaiah 53, 4, it says that he bore our sickness and our disease. And in Matthew 8, 17, it quotes Isaiah 53 and says exactly that. And he also bore our sins and, and our pains, our weaknesses, everything. So our salvation is really complete in him. And so as we take this bread and as we uh, drink the juice symbolizing his blood poured out for us. So let's realize what we're doing because it, it says in Corinthians, uh, many are weak and sick because they don't realize you know, what Jesus has paid for. And so we take the bread first as Jesus went to the whipping post, his, his body torn by his stripes, we were healed. It says in, in Peter, it says, by the stripes that he bore in his body, we were healed. As far as God's concerned, it's a done deal. It's available. And then he took the cup. You know, afterwards he went to the cross representing going to that cross, paying the, the price for our sins. The punishment that should have been ours. He took it upon himself so that we could be, our sins could be um, washed clean and we could be partakers of his very life. And we'll talk more about that just now but um, as we uh, maybe we can just if you want to take communion you can don't feel compelled to but if, if in your heart it, in your you would like to have you would like to do this in remembrance of him know what you're doing it's you're symbolizing it's symbolizing the sacrifice of Christ and the very his very life becoming one with us and what happens when his life because, comes around with us, we're born again. Okay, so it's a celebration of being born in spirit. His spiritual blood coursing through our veins that no sickness, no disease, no sin, no demonic force, nothing can hold captive what God has made free. And he whom the Son sets free is free. It's not struggling. To, is free. Realize the freedom that Christ shed his blood for. Realize that right now, not tomorrow, not late. Now is the day of salvation. Let's stop thinking like humans, oh, but then, no, 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 just now is the day of salvation. Jesus sent his word and healed them. So this do in remembrance of me, Jesus said. So um, can just come forward and you can take the bread, you can take the, the cup and just present yourself to the Lord. You know, remember me. Jesus said, as, as you, before you eat that bread and drink the cup, just, just take a few moments to just acknowledge the Lord, to lift your soul up to him and say, Jesus, thank you. And if there's anything you need to just get rid of, get rid of it at that point. Get rid of it now. <laughs> so that you can just lift up your soul to God, present yourself to him and say, Jesus, I take this as a celebration of the oneness, the union that you've made possible between yourself and me right now. Thank you for healing. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for meeting every need. Thank you that I can know you and walk with you and experience life with you 24-7, 365 days, all the time. Not just... On Sundays, not just on certain days, not all the time. Your love, your power, your spirit wants to move. Okay, so um, you can just come forward. You can play those couple songs. And just come forward and just take a minute. And when you're ready, just take the bread. And, and just after a minute or two, we'll, we'll continue. So you can just start and come forward and take. We were talking a little bit last week about how eternal life is knowing God. It's walking with God. It's um, knowing Jesus whom he has sent, it says in John 17, 3. It's not a place we go or, a, you know, Jesus said, um, with, by, with the woman who's having the conversation with the woman by the well, and um, Jesus was saying, believe me, the, the time is coming when it's not going to be important on this mountain or in this location to worship, but it's... It, the Father seeks those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And when we are truly, when we know the truth, the truth is Jesus, okay? 
Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is God himself. Okay, it's not a doctrine. It's not, a, it's not an articulation of things. Those are an expression, but the, the truth is God himself. And when we walk with God, Jesus said, when we know him, when we've opened up that secret place of our heart where it's not anymore just about uh, you know, doing this or that or not doing this, but, but it's, it's, we've opened up that secret place of our heart and we've said, Jesus, you are king there in that secret place. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Jesus said when he was approaching Jerusalem, he said, and he was weeping and he said, ah, how I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. You know, he, the, A lot of the people of Israel at that point, they had hardened their hearts and they were, didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah and all of that, but his heart was going out. He was going to give his, he was going to give his body, give his life, be crucified for them. And so obviously he was reaching out with everything that he could to show his love for them. And as a hen gathers her chicks, you know, the, I've probably shared before how in a fire, the mother hen will actually cover the, the, the chicks, or at least that has happened many times where, you know, in a fire they will find the charred remains of the mother hen and underneath the little chicks come out. She was protecting them by the fire. So Jesus was saying, as a hen gathers her chicks, so I would give myself to you. So Jesus laid down his life as, as a hen, as, as, with a, you know, and so that we could, could know him and walk with him. Beyond anything we ever talk about, and I mean, all of the Bible is to point us to God. It's, it's not so we can know stuff. You know, I mean, yes, it is so we can know <laughs> truth, but what I'm saying is that it, it all points to God. It all points us to relationship with him. It all is, Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them, in those scriptures, you have eternal life. But it is those scriptures that bear witness of me, Jesus said. So all of our Bible reading, our Bible study, our, our you know, it, it should all point us back towards a relationship with Jesus himself, God himself. God is calling us deeper. He wants a closer walk with us. And it's not that he's holding back or anything like that, but sometimes we get distracted with the things of this world and we, and we put importance on things which are not, not as important as God himself. But those things, sometimes we let them crowd out our appointments with God. Our appointments where we go, you know, Jesus said when you pray, go into the room and close the door, you know, and, and, and just, why? To cut out the distractions, the distractions of life. The door's open, you hear all these things, and you say, oh yeah, I need to go do that, and then you stop and you go. We need to have times where we close the door and we are spending time with our Jesus with such a regularity and um, that produces fruit, you know. If you go to the gym, for example, you know, you can show up once a year or, you know, and, and work out, but, you know, that's not going to do too much. <laughs> you can, you can uh, show up once a month. Uh, that's, that's still not going to do too much. But if you get on a regular kind of uh, basis and you make it part of, you know, what you do regularly, you'll start to see changes, right? Okay. The same thing, really, is in our walk with God. It is finished, Jesus said. He paid the price. We are perfect and complete in him because that work of God is complete in us. We are united to him. We are lacking nothing. Jesus provided through his own sacrifice, and he said he became sin that we would become the righteousness of God in him. So we are complete. We, we lack nothing in spirit. But is that completeness and is that fullness being manifest through our life? on a daily basis? Or is there room to grow up into Christ in all things, like Ephesians 4 says? So the growth process we're talking about is our focus, is the, 
the abiding in Jesus. Jesus said in John 15, abide in me. And I in you, if, if my words abide in you, and if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you desire, it shall be done, because you're abiding in him. You're, you're an extension of his body, and God will respond to his word, to the word of faith. Um, I was um, a friend of mine way back, I was in way back when, New Christian and stuff. And a friend of mine was telling me um, that he was, or his friend was in uh, Richmond, Virginia. And they used to go preaching the gospel on the streets down in, uh, you know, rough areas and stuff like that. And uh, one day, his friend was just, you know, I think finishing or, or witnessing, whatever, he's walking down the road there. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this, here's this blood-curdling scream like some monster hideous monster and this guy is running towards him like like obviously demon possessed okay and he's running towards uh, his friend the Christian who was there witnessing and just running and yelling and cursing and swearing and just just full on this guy looked like he was going to tackle him okay and um, so that brother just stopped and Praying in the spirit, you know, praying in tongues, and at his, you know, the guy was running, 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 and he jumped through the air and was gonna just, you know, just take out. But when it, when he was, I don't know, about this far away or something, it's like he bounced off of an invisible wall, the angels, whatever, and and just, and he went off running down the street. Another person, another occasion, believer, Christian, was walking down the street, and you know he, he sees this guy far away, just kind of trembling and cowering like this, and he, he walks closer and closer and gets to the guy, and he says, "What's wrong?" And it was a Satanist, and he said, the Satanist was telling him. As you were coming, far this light just got brighter and brighter and brighter until here it is, here you are, you know, and because he was seen in the spirit. Why do you think the devil is out to destroy and discredit faith in Christ, Christianity? Um, in the U.S., where I'm from, there's, there's a real... I can just see so clearly how the... Even through Hollywood or different things, in, in the politic, various political arenas, not all, but there's, there's this real smear campaign going on against Christians. And why is... Why does the devil not pick on Buddhism? Or, you know... Hare Krishnas or something else. Why, why is, you know, when something is being made fun of in, the, in a movie, it's, you know, why is all this happening? Because the devil knows who we are. The devil knows what faith in Christ results in. You know, in our life team meeting during the week, we were looking at uh, some of this and we're, I asked the question, you know, who, who, who are we? Do you know? <laughs> Do you know what it means to be a son of the Most High God? It's for the ladies as well, sons, daughters, children of God. Do, you, do we know what that really means? To be called the very righteousness of God. The devils believe and they tremble like that Satanist who was trembling because he saw the light. The, the devil, the demons, they see you know, in the spirit, they see God radiating. God's spirit radiating from a believer. Because God has enjoined himself to the believer. In John 17, it says that he, um, Jesus said, the glory, what was, Jesus was speaking to the Father, the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one as we are one, and that they may be one, 
he was praying, Father, that they would be one in us. We're united to God, Christ in you, the scripture talks about. As he is, so are we in this world. But you see, the devil knows that, but what he banks on is that most Christians don't know that. And so he tries to take advantage and attack and just hoping that these Christians will not wake up to who they really are and to the access that they really have in God. And so when we're talking about righteousness and we're talking about he became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God, that's what scripture tells us. To know what that really means is, you know, it's helpful to look at the effects that, you know, in the spirit, like I was saying, these, you know, these, the demons see and tremble. We need to wake up to who we are. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. We need to take God at his word because that's what God's word is. It is a, it, well, God's word, it, it's an expression of himself. The Bible is there to show us what is available to us now in Christ. Not later, not when you achieve whatever sense of fleshly perfection you think you need to achieve. The, the, the achievement was done by Christ. He paid the price. But now our part is to abide. Our part is to believe, to hear his word, to step out by faith on his word, to practice, if I can use that word, on a regular basis. Don't just go to the spiritual gym once a year <laughs> or even once a month. Work those spiritual muscles, so to speak. Faith in God, stepping out by faith, doing what Jesus said to do, spending that time with him. That's a step of faith too when you have so much to do. And, and, but yet, you know, in that secret place, God is, is waiting to make his truth more real to us so that we can see more clearly. Paul said in Ephesians uh, 3, he was praying that the eyes of the believer's understanding would be enlightened, that they may know the hope of their calling, that they may experience, to know experientially all that is available in Christ, all that they have in their inheritance in Christ. And so there is that place for that our eyes would be opened. And the scripture tells us to awaken to righteousness. In Ephesians 4.24 it says, Put on the new man which was created. Okay, we read this scripture I think last week as well, but I'm just kind of connecting it to last week before we go on. Put on. Okay, when you put on your clothes in the morning, I would hope you... You know, before you go out, you put on your clothes. You know how to put, some, put on your clothing, right? In the same way, it says, put on the new man. Yes, but I, I am that new man. Yes, but put on. It says in Scripture, gird up the loins of your mind. Put on the mind of Christ. Because we are a new creation. We are that new man. But sometimes we don't put on the new man. We don't put on the mind of Christ. We don't walk by faith, we don't abide in him. And so the, the experiential aspects of being that new creation aren't being experienced. And God wants to bring us into that place of full experiential knowledge of him. Not just informational, but experiential. Okay, So we need to abide in him. We need to um, spend time meditating on his word, going deeper. Um, the scripture talks about um, travailing in prayer. Prayer, you know, in, uh, David in the Psalms said, I lift my soul up to you, O God. That's what prayer is. It's not just, okay, let's pray for our food now, the words. Yeah, that's good. That, that's part of it. But, it's lifting up our soul, who we are. We lift ourselves up to God and say, as you gave your life to me, I give it back to you. And that is the foundation then of the discourse that follows. 
where we are presenting whatever it is unto God. We're communicating, we're fellowshipping with Him. We are, uh, whatever the case may be, prayer covers everything. But we need to delve deeper into the depths of our communion with God and prayer. Because in, those, in that time of fellowship, and you know, there's different types of prayer and all that. I'm not actually going to get into that. I think we will later. Not today. But um, there's the time where we close the door behind, and, and those times are so important. But you, we pray without ceasing as well, Scripture talks, as we go. But we need to be rooted and grounded in Christ. We need to be constantly looking unto Jesus. Then the words that we speak will carry his power because it's not just us doing the form, technically the right thing, but we, we are actually rooted and grounded in fellowship and walking in an awareness of his presence, of him in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Um, he who believes out of his innermost being out of, will flow rivers of living water. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit. And so this, this is what we're talking about. Okay, so we need to put on the new man which was created when we were born again. Okay, the new creation that we are. God did it. Jesus did it. When he went to the cross, he paid the price and then uh, he sent his spirit so when we make Jesus Lord and Savior, we're born of spirit, our sins are forgiven, we're washed clean. We are that new creation. So it was created by God, but now we need to walk in what God has provided for us. It was created in God in true righteousness and holiness. So this, this is the word we're looking at last week and this week, righteousness, and how that is used, that we have become... The very righteousness of God, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Because we don't want to be a, a, a group of believers that simply talks real well. <laughs> you know, But we want to be a group of believers that walks real well. You know what I'm saying? We want to be those who are not just hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, as scripture tells us, but we want to be doers of the word who live the gospel, who live the life with God because we love him so much. That's the reason, because we love him so much. We're not trying to prove anything to anybody, and we're not. He's the Savior, and we get to love him so much that we embody him and go get to do what he does because he loves helping people, and if we have his heart, we're going to love helping people. We're going to love sharing the gospel, the good news with others. We're going to love to heal the sick and, and help those in need and because, because that's, that's how we can help people. That's what Jesus was doing. Okay. Let us not be like the Laodiceans who, you know, were... Uh, they were lukewarm. <laughs> okay? They were just kind of going with the flow. We want to be abiding in Christ. If we're abiding in Christ, we're not going to be lukewarm. We're going to be on the attack. We're going, to be, um, we're going to be on the cutting edge of what God wants to do. To reach people, to heal people, to set the captives free. Okay, so when we talk about righteousness, that is the purpose. Because in Romans 1, verse 16, we also spoke about this earlier in the week with, with some, but um, it says, I, Romans 1, 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ." For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. And we looked at that word salvation, how it's used throughout the New Testament. The word salvation is used, um, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Most Christians got that, they, they get that. But then it also says in James 5, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. It's the same word. Same word in the Greek, same word in English. It's, 
because salvation is being set free from anything that will oppress. That's, that's the meaning, the inherent meaning of that word in, in the Greek there that, would, that is translated salvation. It's being set free. Something's oppressing, God sets you free. That's salvation. Okay? It can be sickness, disease. It can be spiritual sin and death. So you've got the physical aspects, you've got spiritual aspects, but it's, it's all inclusive. Jesus didn't provide a half-baked salvation. He provided a full spectrum. He said, the scripture tells us that um, everything that we need for life and godliness is provided in Christ. Godliness means to be like him, to be like our Heavenly Father. That's what he wants for us. He, he, he gave, he when you, when you sow a seed in the ground, when you sow an apple seed, you get apples, right? When God sowed his son in our hearts, he's going to reap sons. Because every tree produces after its own kind. Every seed will produce after its own kind. Jesus didn't, God didn't sow his son, Jesus, in our hearts to reap anything less than Christ in you which is what the scripture tells us. So that's why I said You'll be doing, those who believe in me will be doing the same works and greater because it's his seed, it's his word, it's his life, it's his righteousness. So what is that going to produce? The same thing that it produced in and through the life of Jesus. The same things and greater. So I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation, all-inclusive for everyone who believes because in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Okay, in salvation, the righteousness of God is revealed. What does that mean? Righteousness, righteousness, yeah. Righteousness means doing what is right. It, it, righteousness is godliness. It is being like God. It is doing the right thing. It is doing um, destruction of evil, whatever steals, kills, and destroys. That's salvation, right? And so righteousness is doing what's right. So God always does what's right. He operates in righteousness from his character and nature of righteousness. And so when his righteousness comes into us, and Jesus said he be, well, Scripture says Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God, then that character and nature and that was transferred to us. In our DNA, divine nature attributes, we are the righteousness of God now. And so, in salvation, the righteousness of God is revealed. So, whatever steals, kills, and destroys is, needs to be eradicated, and that's what Jesus was doing. Acts 10.38, Jesus, it says, was going around um, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Healing spiritually, physically, he was, healing was used, it's a word that was used to, to, to restoration, making things the way they should be, operating in righteousness. So we establish the righteousness of God on earth when we do what Jesus said to do, to preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, go and, and cast out demons, set people free, bring truth, help, heal, deliver, whatever it is, it's a form of healing. Okay, so we use that word very broadly. Scripture uses that word very broadly. So, <clears throat> in salvation, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. When we operate by faith, when we walk by faith and not by sight, God's righteousness is revealed. It's not just like a spiritual exercise for us. It's, we're, we're, we are revealing the righteousness of God. We're revealing His Will. We're revealing what he has decreed should happen. How people can be helped, healed, and delivered. That is the righteousness of God in operation. Salvation involves revealing the righteousness of God. In Romans 1, 16 and 17. That's what it says there. So, let's go a little bit deeper into that. In Romans 8, verses 2. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, if we have the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we're not under the law of sin and death. Okay, God has taken us out from under death and sin and set us free. That is why now we operate in the righteousness of God 
And when light comes into a room, darkness must flee. So we represent the light. And Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall, be, they shall recover because light conquers darkness. It's as simple as that. Okay? So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Law. Notice it says the law there. You know, people who are, have not been set free in Christ, they're bound. The, 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 the chains of the law of sin and death bind them to a certain existence in this world. They don't know what it's like to operate in the power of God, to, to walk with God, to know God. To, to They're bound by the chains of the law of sin and death. There's nothing no power, no earthly power or demonic power that can break those chains of sin and death. Only Jesus could do that. But those who have received Jesus, he has made free. And we now operate by the law of the Spirit, which, and he has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh... You see, anybody just trying to a dutiful keeping of the law, trying to be a good person, da-da-da-da-da. Um, I used to, when I was in high school, yeah, it's my last year of high school, I started to, well, before I was making fun of Christians and um, giving them a hard time, <laughs> and I, I got into some weird stuff. Um, but in my last year of high school, I was realizing I still was not satisfied. There was something inside of me that was empty and needed to be filled. And with all the spiritual things I was doing, it was not filling it. There, there was something lacking. I, I was realizing that. And so I was searching for truth in that last year of high school. Um, what was I going to say? How did I get over there? Um, so... Boy, I really, I really lost my thought there. Okay, that, again, this is just a test here. What was I talking about before I went to high school? <laughs> Bill, what was I talking about before I went to high school? Yes, you were just uh, talking about how Scripture affects what, what you believe or how you react. And if you, you, you can be a real sinner, mm. and something will come upon you, and you will then commit yourself to Okay, my bell is still not getting rung here. Um, Yes? That in your last year of yeah. you wanted to try and be good out of Thank you. That's it. Okay, that was, a, that was a good tuba, but that, that's, that was the, the thing. Okay, so I actually tried to be a good person. <laughs> okay, you get the prize there. No. Uh, I was actually, you know, trying to be good. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what most people in the world think. You know, well, as far as, you know, the answer to, you know, God or whatever is to be a good person, right? So I, I was, I was um, trying to be good and, 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 and all of that. But through all of that, I still felt that emptiness. And I knew there's something more. It's still not happening in the spirit. Whatever needs to happen, it wasn't happening. And it wasn't until, you know, I just said, God, if you exist, show me. <laughs> I don't care what the truth is. I just want to know. I just want to know so that my life can be meaningful and on the right track. And so I just remember laying in bed one night and one evening and just thought, started thinking about Jesus and um, just felt him ask me, do you, want, do you want to try Jesus? Didn't hear audible voice. Just, you know, I, I just felt that's what was happening. And I gave my life to Jesus in that moment and opened my heart and his love and his light just just came in in that moment. And I knew, wow, this is it. <laughs> that emptiness was gone instantly. And that I never used to smile. I was just like, I wish I had my driver's license when I was 16 years old. <laughs> my driver's license said... I, I really wish I had that because it was just um, I was not a happy person and um, but from that moment 
not by any works that I had done. I'd been trying to work for it. I tried to be a good person. I tried everything I knew how, but nothing. But in that instant, when I gave my life to Jesus, the over, overflow of love and joy and peace and just God came through. And so it doesn't matter what we do in the flesh in our strivings. The freedom only comes through Jesus. It's because that true freedom in life is God himself, and he needs to share his life with us. But, he's, but light cannot dwell with darkness. So we have to receive the forgiveness of Christ, say, Jesus, yes, I need you as my Lord and Savior. And when we do that, then forgiveness of sins happens, and then God's Spirit can come inside because we're no longer darkness. Now we are the light of God because he has created us to be his light and his righteousness and his very nature. We're a new creation. That's why God can fellowship with us now, because we're not the same that we used to be. And no amount of striving. So this in Romans 8, verse um, 3. For what the law, you know, human effort, striving, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. No flesh can achieve this peace, this joy, this relationship with God. No flesh. No work of the flesh. What the law could not do because it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. So Jesus came down into this world. God came down into this world. Okay, that's what happened. And he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law would be fulfilled Fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So when Jesus came, he condemned sin in the flesh. What does that mean? It means he took action to judge and nullify and against sin. So when we talk about salvation showing forth the righteousness of God and the word salvation being used from saving the sick or, or believe on the Lord Jesus, you will be saved, you'll be born again, whatever spectrum we're using it, the righteousness of God has come in and condemned evil, eradicated it, and in its place, God has done what is best to do. And his righteousness is established and people are healed and people are set free and people come to know God and they begin to walk by faith and not by sight. They begin to understand how to live life with God. They're not on their own. They don't need to slug it out on their own, but they can actually walk by faith, abide in Jesus and and we abide under the shadow of his wings. So we go into situations and God fights for us and he is with us and miracles happen and He shows us what to do with greater wisdom than we could ever have come up with from our carnal mind. And all of these things, which is really one thing, life in Christ, life in God, and learning to just remain, abide in Him, have faith in Him, walk with Him, learning to focus on Him, not get distracted with the storms of life or the situation in the flesh, but knowing that God himself can speak to that storm and he wants to speak through you because we are his body, the body of Christ. That's what the scripture tells us. It says, do you not know that you were bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body, which is God's. It belongs to God. If we're believers, and that's not so he can just say, oh, now I can tell you what, he, he tell you what to do. He, he tells us what to do in Scripture, and he shares his heart with us so that, because he's showing us the path of freedom. He's showing us the good path. He's, showing, he's, he, he's revealing to us, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. He, he shares with us and says, this is what you need to do. Why? So that we can walk on that path of freedom and we can bring freedom to others as well. And his righteousness can be established on the earth, making things right. This world, the way it looks right now, it's not right. <laughs> Have you noticed? Did you notice that? Or I think you probably noticed. Uh, there are so many things that are not right. And establishing God's righteousness is lo- people looking around for the answer. Well, if you're a believer, the answer is in you. All the things that we notice in this world that are not right, God has the power to change. 
But he needs someone to work through. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. That's why every believer is on this earth because there's a job to be done. And that job is to establish the righteousness of God. Our DNA, His DNA, which is in us, Christ in us, and He wants to establish on the earth so people can know freedom, so the, the things that aren't the way they should be become the way they should be. So people were set free, healed, know the truth, the gospel... Okay, so Jesus came and he condemned sin in the flesh. What is sin? Sin is anything which is not according to the way God wants it to be. That's sin, right? It, it was an archery term that, you know, if you missed the bullseye and the arrow hit, you know, not in the bullseye, not in the center, it was called sin. You didn't hit the target, right? The, 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 it didn't happen the, the, the way it should happen. And so... Sin is anything that is not in accordance with God's righteousness, His will. Um, if somebody is, is suffering, with some, that's not God's will. Jesus came to give life. And every contact that Jesus had with people who were suffering with something, He, he provided that life. And Jesus said that we will be doing the same things, and greater, if we believe in Him. Okay, because His very life is in us. So Jesus condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit okay so jesus condemns sin in the flesh anything that steals kills and destroys and in its place freedom and righteousness in romans 8 verse 10 says and if christ is in you the body is dead because of sin. You know, the scripture says flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're not going to take this flesh with you. Okay? You'll still be you because the real you is not flesh and blood. You have this earth vehicle, but the real you it lies deeper than the flesh. The real you, your soul, your spirit, who you really are, um, that will endure. But, but the flesh and blood will not inherit uh, the kingdom of God. So the body is dead because of sin, so it, it's, it's going to cease in its current form one day. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So our spirit is alive and our spirit is life because God's spirit is connected to us because of his righteousness. Where righteousness is, God's character and nature his essence, his power, his love, his, which is his ability to make things right, his righteousness. It says, the spirit is life because of righteousness. The Holy Spirit. You can say the righteous spirit. The Holy Spirit. Righteous spirit. So when we align our heart and abide in his heart, then his holiness, his righteousness, the connection is there and we're, we're plugged in, in in the focus in the heart. And so God's righteousness and his Holy Spirit can flow through us because there's no break in the connection through sin. There's no break in the connection of a different way of thinking than God. You know, if we want to trans be transmitters of the life of God and we want every touch, every word, every to, to, to be his life coming through, then we need to stay plugged in. We need to abide in him and understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not that you are trying to be righteous. You were made righteous when you were born again. His DNA, his character, his nature is in you. His seed is in you there to reproduce after its own kind, God himself. We just need to walk by faith, look at what he said, live what he said so that his life can be revealed and his righteousness can be established and revealed. And it says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So it says, if the spirit of Christ lives in us, then by virtue of that fact that he will give life to our mortal bodies as well. We are carriers. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God, but we are carriers. We still need our body here in this world. So we are carriers of the very life of God, and his spirit will give life even to our mortal bodies because we carry his spirit. 
And we need to be aware of who we are. Remember in the beginning, those couple of situations I related, how the, the demons were cowering and bouncing off of, you know, that, that's, that's who we are. We, the more, you know, it, it says, um, let our faith become effective by acknowledging every good thing that is within us in Christ Jesus. We must acknowledge. We must believe. We must not just believe, but if we truly believe, we will live accordingly. You know what I mean? So um, that shows what we truly believe, what we live. So Christ will give life to your mortal bodies. Luke ten seventeen. Uh, this is just after Jesus had sent out his disciples and he said, when you go into a city, heal the sick that are there, tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you, uh, raise the dead, uh, preach the gospel. You know, he sent them and then they came back. And the 70 returned with joy. The 70, not just the 12, but the 70. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Those are very earthly things that uh, have a nasty bite to them or, or you know. So, the, so these are physical things as well. Serpents and scorpions. Remember when Paul, you know, stuck his hand in the wood there and he got bit by a viper and all the locals there were just waiting for him to die. And when he didn't die, they wanted to worship him as God. And they said, no, 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 guys, it's, it's Jesus. Okay, let me explain to you the gospel. And then he shared Jesus with them. So serpents, scorpions, very real physical scenarios here. And over all the power of the enemy, I give you authority over. All the power of the enemy. All in the Greek means all. <laughs> it's not like uh, some, I give you authority over some of the power of the enemy. That's not what he said. He said all. Many Christians don't like the word all because it's all-inclusive. It means it covers everything. There's not anything that God's power cannot change and touch. That's exactly what it means. And we need to get comfortable with that fact. We need to acknowledge what God has put within us through his very spirit. Okay. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Again, that's one of those words, nothing. That's pretty all-inclusive, right? A lot of Christians don't like that word, nothing, all. Yeah, nothing, all. Look at the life of Jesus. Jesus is our example. Not the Apostle Paul, not Peter, not all of these other really cool guys, okay? I, we aspire to be like... But Jesus is our example. And he said, the same things I am doing and greater will you do. Look at the life of Jesus. What did he do? How did he respond? He, he is our model. He is the revealer of truth. He is the one who shows us what truth looks like. No one else, you, your experience in the past is not your God. Don't make it your God. Jesus is God. Let him, crown him, recognize, acknowledge him, looking unto Jesus. Why? For our own benefit as well. We must look unto Jesus, not past experiences, not doctrines of men and traditions of men and whatever, whatever. Yeah, but I haven't seen till, it doesn't matter. Look unto Jesus and keep going towards Jesus. He is the Savior, not, not anybody else. He alone is worthy, and, he, and he's the only one who can bring that salvation. So we, his life is in us. Let us acknowledge that. Uh, where are we here? He said, um, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Power, authority, and all of that is useful to do what Jesus said to do, but our true joy is that our names are written in heaven. Our true focus should always remain God himself, not on the power and authority that he gives us. Unfortunately, in Christianity today, the power and authority aspect needs to be 
addressed because so many don't understand. And we're all growing in various aspects of it, but it's really not understood. So we really focus on that and we all need to get that message out and by embodying it, number one, and so that people can know and believe in God. And But our real joy is that our names are written in heaven, that we get to walk with God, that Jesus himself is our, is our inheritance, and that neither height nor depth nor any other thing, death, hell, whatever, can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't fluctuate. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Never leave us nor forsake us. And from that platform of relationship, we do everything else. Not vice versa. Don't put the cart before the horse. When you try to put his power, his authority, and just focus on that and operate from there, you're going to struggle. We need to be looking unto Jesus. Be in love with Jesus. Realize what it means to walk with Jesus and, and, and spend that time with him and operate from him. And then, yes, walk by faith, not by sight. Heal the sick, raise the dead, do what Jesus said to do, but do it with him. Okay. So, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things what things? You know, I give you power, authority to trample over serpents, scorpions, nothing shall hurt you. I, I um, thank you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes. In other words, those who think they're wise and knowledgeable and all of this in a worldly fashion, right? By their own works. I am like the Pharisees. They were saying, I am thankful to you, O God, that I am not like that sinner over there. I tithe and I do this and I do that and you're so lucky to have me. You know, uh, that's not right. (laughs) Our relationship with God should always lead us in such a way where it's it's about Him. It's not about us. (laughs) Okay, it's not about us you know, working up toward... No, it's, it's about discovering the life He has put within us and by His grace and mercy, we, we grow and we move forward with God and, and uh, we discover hmm, how awesome it is just to, to be with Him and to manifest Him. So, um, you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent, reveal them to babes. Then He turned to His disciples and said privately, Blessed are your eyes. Uh, Sorry, he said, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. So when Jesus came, that was the pivotal point, the climax in history when God himself is revealing what truth looks like through Jesus. And not only that, but he... Through his sacrifice, he brings us into the life experience, the same life experience of Christ himself. That truth revealed is now inside of us, and we walk in him, with him. Okay, it was a pivotal point in history. That's why we are in the year 2017, year of the Lord, A.D., um, because from the time of Jesus, it all revolves around him. Blessed are the eyes that see the things you have seen. Prophets and kings, the prophets which spoke in the Old Testament about, they were just catching a glimpse of what it would be like when the Spirit of God was poured out on all flesh and and the the fullness of Christ would come. And the prophets and kings of old, they, they wanted to be in this time that we're in. They longed to be in the time, but they were prophesying about it. We are privileged to live in this time. Christ has been revealed. Satan is no longer in power in terms of uh, um, he, can, he could not take Jesus up today to the, and show him all the kingdoms of the earth. I mean, he, he, could, he said, it's been given to me. Okay? But now he operates as a thief. He has no legal right anymore. Jesus made the way 
for uh, people to, to be free from the grip of the devil. And so we get to go and enforce what Jesus has, has established. Prophets and kings desire to, to live in this time, to, to, and here we are. 2 Corinthians 6-7 says, By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left. Righteousness, doing what God would do. Operating from his DNA, his character and nature, which is within us now. Walking by faith. It is, he is our armor. In Ephesians 6, it talks about put on the whole armor of God. It's all from his righteousness. None of those pieces of the armor could be put on without his righteousness. Unless you are in right standing with God, none of those pieces of armor would fit onto you. They would not latch. They would not adhere. They would just fall right off. But we can put on the full armor of God because it is established in his righteousness. We have right standing with God. God has made you to be able to stand before him without... I'm going to say this properly. Without an inferiority complex for his glory as a testimony of his grace. Now, I mean, I regularly fall down on my face and I just worship God. But what I'm saying, you know, and when we see him, we'll put our crowns at his feet because he is worthy and it's all from him. But what I'm saying is we can come boldly before the throne of grace and find help in time of need because of the righteousness his own righteousness, which he has now bestowed upon us. So we are in right standing with God. We do not need to have an inferiority complex. We recognize him. We bow down before him as king, but just because he's worthy. But the right standing we have with God is all his doing because of faith in Christ. It's our armor. Awake unto righteousness, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Wake up to who we are. Um, going to wrap it up here just now. Hebrews 5.13, it says, Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness because he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are mature, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The word of righteousness, if it says, if we partake only of milk, we're unskilled in the word of righteousness. God's word is a word of righteousness. It's a word of identity of who we are in Christ, who he is in us, who the new creation he has made us to be. This is our ministry of every believer to speak his words of righteousness, to, to, to help people understand what God has for, for them. This is the gospel. Solid food belongs to those who use their senses, they are exercised to discern good and evil. That's not God's will. Let's establish God's will in that situation and establish his righteousness, the word of righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction for instruction in righteousness. All of that, doctrine, reproof, correction, scripture, for instruction in righteousness. What it means to live life in God, to be righteous, to manifest his righteousness, to establish his righteousness and will on earth. First Peter 2.24 He bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. We live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. It's his righteousness. <clears throat> Revelation 19.11 I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. He who sat on him was called Faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war jesus has already condemned sin in the flesh jesus has judged and found no place for sickness and disease in his kingdom he has found no place for sin and uh, uh, chains that bind people he has brought freedom in every way shape and form as we acknowledge and believe in what he has done and abide in him, in that understanding, and release by faith all of the benefits. It says in Psalms 103, um, Rejoice in the Lord and forget not all his benefits, who heals all your sicknesses, who forgives all your sins and heals all your, your sicknesses. 
These are all his benefits. These are all forms of salvation, being free from the oppressor. Forget not his benefits. He loves us. He is decreed. This is righteousness. Establish my righteousness. That means believe. That means heal, bring freedom, do what I would do. Believe on the name of the Lord. Peter said, when the lame man got up and walked after they lifted him up, why are you looking at us as by our own righteousness we did that? It is faith in the name of Jesus. His righteousness working through us. Okay. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being called sons of the Most High God. Help us awaken to righteousness. Help us to understand the full depth and ramification. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding to know experientially what it means to walk with you, to have you on the inside of us, that the two have been made one, your spirit in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and your righteous spirit wants to establish your righteousness through, to and through us experientially in life in every situation may the manifestation of your power and glory and love permeate everything that we do as we acknowledge you and give you all glory and all praise in jesus name amen <clears throat> amen God bless you. Go and live like Jesus. Establish his righteousness. Let him shine through you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about faith in his name. So walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If anybody needs, uh, would like prayer or ministry for anything, you're welcome to come forward as well. Um, other than that, God bless you. Hi, my name is Paul Warren Gray with Life Mission. If you'd like more audio and video teachings like this one, please visit our website at www.lifemission.org.za. That's www.lifemission.org.za. And if you are in the Johannesburg area in South Africa, we hope you'll drop in so we can meet you in person. Details are on the website.